When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We'll have the basketball women's matchup of the night tonight at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on ESPN. And they have the only undefeated D1 team in the nation. Number one, South Carolina takes on Angel Reese. Number nine, LSU in Baton Rouge. The college game day crew tips off our coverage at 7 Eastern. From Go Blue to Bolts, Go Bolts rather, Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan to be Chargers head coach. Harbaugh's deal is for five years, sources told our Adam Schefter. Here's Adam with more on Get Up This Morning. Michigan would have liked Jim Harbaugh to return Greeny and it had an offer on a table that would have made him the highest paid coach in college football. But Michigan, no matter what it did, could not offer Jim Harbaugh the one thing that he most wanted, and that is the chance to win a Super Bowl. The Chargers could offer that. The Atlanta Falcons could offer that. And the Chargers knew that if they let him out of the building, that there was the possibility that he wouldn't make it back that Atlanta could hire him. And they put the full court press on and they kept stepping up to the point yesterday where they made it such that Jim Harbaugh was not going to travel to Atlanta. This gives the Chargers some star power in the Los Angeles market, which is something that they needed. He essentially makes them more relevant than they've been. He brings more excitement. Mm. Jim Harbaugh has a history of making programs better than they were before him. In each of his previous four head coaching jobs, he's increased the team's win percentage more so than the prior year and even set new single-season program records for wins at Michigan, Stanford, and San Diego. Speaking of the West Coast, there she is, Mina Kimes <laughs> and S.A. Hi, Mina. Hello. Good morning. Morning, morning. All right, Mina, I'm coming to you. How high are your expectations for the Chargers under Harbaugh? They're high, but tempered. Uh, first, I'll say I think this was a home run hire. It seems to be a consensus around this. It's not really a topic of debate, right? We know Jim Harbaugh's track record, both in college and the NFL, the turnarounds, his work with quarterbacks, his work as a program builder, all things that the Chargers desperately need. This probably, to me, is obviously we're waiting to see what the other teams do. But thus far, this is the best hire of the cycle. That said, uh, I would urge a little patience for anyone slotting the Chargers into the Super Bowl for a couple of reasons. One, I, I think the AFC is just so much more competitive than the NFC. Looking right now at the two teams in the AFC Championship and those quarterbacks, it's easy to see why, but it goes beyond them. With Joe Burrow coming back in Cincinnati, CJ Stroud ascending in Houston, there's so many good teams in this conference, so many elite quarterbacks. Uh, of course, the Buffalo Bills as well, that makes it harder to compete. And then beyond that, uh, the Chargers are a team in a bit of a transition. You know, I, I think with the end of the Brandon Staley era, um, there was a sort of narrative that this was a really talented roster and the coach was just holding them back. I don't actually believe that's true. I think they have a really good quarterback. I think they're very top-heavy, but they're also about $40 million last I checked over the cap. And their biggest contracts, they've got four guys making over $30 million in Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Mike Williams, and Keenan Allen. Probably going to have to say goodbye to one, maybe two of those players. So this roster needs a little bit of a turnaround, and it might take Harbaugh a year, maybe two years, to get, it, to get the team in shape to compete 
with the likes of Kansas City and Baltimore. Well, when you say competing with the likes of Kansas City and Baltimore, Mina Kimes, I totally understand what you're talking about when you're saying we not we shouldn't expect the Super Bowl. But damn, I mean, we got to sit up here and look. You got to crawl before you walk. And you know what? Is is a playoff <laughs> berth too much to expect? I mean, is it too much to ask to yeah. see Justin Herbert in the playoffs? Oh, by the way, in the playoffs, not losing 27 to nothing leads at half. You know, in the second quarter, is it too much to ask that? I don't think so. And I think that you have to take into account count, Mina, where this is a Chargers team that was 0-7 in games where they lost by three points or less. 0-7. So when we think about them, yeah. think about how is Jim Harbaugh good for about four or five of those games? I think so. I think so. I don't think he'd make the mistakes that Brandon Staley made. And so if you change that, then all of a sudden, what are you talking about? You're talking about a 10 or 11 win team. Okay, in the postseason with Justin Herbert as your quarterback, potentially Austin Eckler as your running back, one of the two in Allen or Williams as your wideouts, one of them, I'm assuming one of them, I'm assuming, I don't know. It's around $35, $38 million available, you know, that you got, you got to clear up the cap space. We get that. I'm just looking at their talent. Some of it is aging, no doubt. But I think that's a good thing for somebody like a Jim Harbaugh. It's being stuck with the old dudes under contract that you can't get rid of, but you're still obligated to pay. That's problematic for you. I don't see that being an issue for them. And then when I look at the rest of the AFC, okay, definitively speaking, the two teams in the AFC championship game, no joke. But what about Cincinnati, like you said? What about Cincinnati? What about Buffalo? Miami can't be sneezed at. You look at teams in the AFC South. I'm just saying to you, everything is up for grabs in the AFC if you can capitalize on some of those, if you can offset some of those mistakes that have taken place. It's not like you throw the charges out with the bathwater and say they're nowhere near the other teams. I think when if Justin Herbert is on his game, I think they have the potential to be in a, lot, in, in a mix in a big-time way. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think this season they are not legitimate, like, Playoff contenders, probably not, and certainly not Super Bowl because of all the things that you guys have mentioned. But I do think in, within the next two or three years, they're legit in-season Super Bowl yeah. contenders. We've talked about this team as, like, in June or July, Super Bowl contenders because, to Mina's point early on, the roster was super, super deep and super talented. It just got really old. But they never felt like legitimate like in-season October, November, December Super Bowl contenders, I think that's realistic in the next three years to have those expectations once this roster turnover mm. happens. The biggest question, who's going to be the general manager now? You know, that's as much as he won in yeah. San Francisco. Trent Bulky, who I believe was the general manager when he was there, they, they had a loaded roster. I mean, that, that roster specifically defensively was off the charts talented. That led to a lot of that success. Um, I think the style of football that he likes to play is ideal for what he's going to start taking over in the NFL. Mina, you know we talk about this on NFL Live all the time. You know, putting quarterback under center, Harbaugh loves to do that. Playing with big body personnel, Harbaugh loves to do that. Consistently be, being balanced on offense, Harbaugh loves to do that. That was the trademark in San Francisco. They outrushed basically everybody in his tenure when he was there. I think they gave the ball away the least amount of times in the NFL when he was there. I think they took the ball away top five in the league. So, you know, the style of football is perfect for what yeah. we're getting into the NFL right now. So we got to figure out who the general manager is 
and if he's going to have the, the talent that they acquired in San Francisco or something laterally comparable, uh, but re- reasonable, like in-season Super Bowl expectations in the next two or three years. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that timeline. Give it a year, uh, and this next year is going to be a bit of a – I wouldn't call it a rebuild with that quarterback and some of the players, but I also wouldn't put them on the tier with the top teams in the AFC. I think, Dan, for me, what's really going to be tricky – and something that Harbaugh needs to nail, not just the GM hire, which he's not making the owner is, but also defensive coordinator. Because offensively, sure. uh, there's some pretty obvious fixes. You know, they need a blocking tight end. They need a little bit of speed. I would maybe address the offensive line. They're picking really high in the draft. There's some great tackles available. Defensively, there's a lot of holes on this defense. Like, there's a reason why they were one of the worst defenses in the NFL. And if you wa- let one of those pass rushers walk out the door – Suddenly, that becomes a position you need to address. This secondary, again, you got old kind of in certain positions, uh, linebacker as well. Well, don't forget. There's just so many things that have to be fixed on that side of the ball. Well, don't forget. I mean, it doesn't help defensively when you got a head coach going for it on fourth and whatever in your own damn territory, failing and then putting the defense in a pinch. I mean, we've seen Staley do a whole bunch of things that made no sense whatsoever, knowing what his personnel was and still making those decisions. I mean, come on yeah. now. We got to take that into consideration as well. Yeah, real quick. Yeah, real quick. Two things I do think when it comes to that conversation, two or three years. Herbert's quarterback is a QBR is a 70 or 67. Okay, that means he should have won two-thirds of his games in the NFL as a starter, technically, stat-wise. He hasn't. He's lost 22 games by one possession in his NFL career. That's the most. Harbaugh is one of the best, like, close game, how not to give it away coaches that we have at any level, college or in the NFL. That will matter also. Well, Dan, that's why I made the point earlier that he was good when they 0-7 with under three points or less. That's why I said he's good for four or five. He's good for four or five of those. I agree. Thank you for accentuating that point, Dan. That's what I'm here for. I'm here for. Okay. Yeah, way to retweet. Thumbs up. Uh, Stephen A., tell me this. Who does Harbaugh's arrival impact the most? Who, me? Stephen A. Yeah, Stephen A. Okay. Yeah. Me personally, believe it or not, I think, well, first of all, I didn't hear a name, Stephen, because I obviously I'm addicted to hearing my name. I didn't hear him. But the point that I'm trying to make to you is that uh, (laughs) when when I I sat up there and uh, thought about it, the name I gave, listen, I came up with the Chiefs. Because I think, obviously, they reign supreme in the AFC West, if not the AFC totally. We get that. Six straight AFC title games. We got that part. But I love the way the Chargers usually respond to a challenge against the Chiefs. It's usually a really, really good game when they're going up against one another. And I think that when you target the Chiefs, they're like, this is our target. This is what we're fixated and focused on. From a personnel perspective, Mina and Dio, I think that's when the Chargers have shown that they're at their best in most situations. The other times is is where they leave you scratching your head like, who is this team? Mina? Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I, 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 would, I would, I mean, I, you know, I'd say starting with the Chargers, of course, since this is such a good hire, we all agree. I think there's real potential here to turn around this franchise. Frankly, if he can't turn around the Chargers, that team is cursed. I mean, they seem cursed already, candidly, based on some of the things that happened over the last 10 years. If Kyrie Jim Harbaugh can't you get you winning playoff games, I, I might be ready to just write it off altogether and say that, you know, they're forever haunted. Um, Stephen A. mentioned the Chiefs. I still have the Chiefs to cut above. I would say the other teams in the AFC West, this hire elevates the Chargers pretty clearly to number two. I'm looking at 
Sean Payton in Denver. I, that's a roster that's going to take a while now to compete with L.A., the Raiders, again, that feels insurmountable for the new head coach. So when we start, you know, going into every season where we pick who's going to be in the playoffs, who's going to win, who's going to be a wild card team, for me, this hire elevates the Chargers above those other teams, but they're still below Kansas City. Yeah, I think it's the whole conference, guys. I really do. I mean, if he goes and he fails, it's the first time in his life. He's, he's never not won, you know, wherever he's gone. But I do think a little di- different angle is – College football, you know, this, this is a really unique time in college football right now because, you know, in the matter of you know, a, a month, we've lost Nick Saban, who was an unquestioned winner and one of the faces of college football. And now we lose Jim Harbaugh, an unquestioned winner and one of the faces of college football. And because of that turnover, I think, and Sharon Moore hopefully gets that head coaching job. And I love him. I think the world of him is, a, I, I will have to see how he does as the, like, the full-time guy there. Outside of Kirby Smart, like, who is the face of college football right now, coach-wise? There's a lot of unknowns. Sark down in Texas, really good, but, like, does he have the staying power? DeBoer in in Alabama, we'll see how he does. Ryan Day's got massive pressure on him at Ohio State. So, I think, you know, college football, it it takes, like, a a pretty unique hit when it comes to some of its known faces and and brands. I completely disagree with you. I completely disagree with you. How? With that, with that, and the with, with the departures, and the advent of the twelve-team playoff system, you know, scheduled for implementation next season in college football. I think it makes it incredibly exciting. You know, obviously Nick Saban is gone, and we get that in Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh just won his first national championship. Michigan just won their first national championship since nineteen ninety-seven when they were co-champions. I get it, but the point is, is that outside of the dominance of a Nick Saban, okay, I'm looking at the college football landscape, and I'm saying. The combination of him being gone combined with the 12-team playoff system, we're going to see and hear a lot more names, and I think that's going to be great for college football. I don't think that's going to be a bad thing, okay? That's number one. Number two, when I think about Jim Harbaugh, you're absolutely right about the whole conference, meaning you're absolutely right about them elevating above the the Raiders and the Broncos in, 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 in most folks' minds' eyes. But for me, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs were supposed to be the target. And we never really saw the Chargers make a statement, we coming for y'all. We coming for y'all. And I think with a hire like this, because of what Dan highlighted about Harbaugh's success wherever he's going, four years in San Francisco, three conference championship games, one Super Bowl appearance. And by the way, we didn't anticipate that was going to happen when he inherited the San Francisco 49ers. And instantly, he had changed them. He had turned them around. Obviously, changing from Alex Smith to Colin Kaepernick helped immensely. I'm simply saying to you, that Jim Harbaugh, who clearly knows what he's doing, knows what he's doing when it comes to evaluating talent, knows what he's doing when it comes to coaching, I'm looking at him and I'm saying, okay, you're making the statement we know those are the big fish. We coming. We're coming for you. This is step one. I like that. I like that. Yeah, I don't Wait, disagree with that. I would say this, though. College football lost two institutions in Nick Saban, probably more so than Harbaugh, but two institutions, two brands. But some people Whether- say they lost the institution because the, the, the landscape has changed with the transfer portals, with the NILs, and now you got the 12-team playoffs. Change was coming anyway. Right, so it was now coming we anymore. For like, some yeah. folks, it's going to be less. But terrible. I think it's going to be a good thing. We'll see. Because of the 12 team playoffs. 
All right, we'll leave it there. Hey, I'm Molly Karam, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is always a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day, whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement. Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by categories like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day's May 12th, and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Thanks so much for listening to the pod and have a fabulous day. Hey, hey, I'm Molly Karam and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-time chimney sweepers, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish, but you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com to sign up today. Claim based on the total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Thanks so much for listening to the First Take Pod. Have a fabulous day. Breaking news out of D.C. Monumental basketball president Michael Winger announced today that Wes Unsell Jr. will transition from his role as head coach of the Washington Wizards into front office and advisory position. Assistant coach Brian Keefe is being promoted to interim head coach for the rest of the season. Stephen A., what do they need to do with this roster? Um, I would say blow it up, but it's already blown up. I mean, they are awful, just awful. They can't stop a cold. Uh, they give up about 125 points per game. They've got two players. They're two marquee players. One is known for his hairstyle, and the other is Jordan Poole, who's a champion from the Golden State Warriors, um, who goes to Washington, D.C., and has been an absolute disaster inside of that locker room. Obviously, he can really play, and he's got a bright future from a talent perspective, uh, but he's got to have an attitude readjustment because he's got a bad reputation. And in terms of Wes Until Jr., unfortunately, he's following you know, the footsteps of the dad. When you were there, you had but so much success as a head coach, and then you moved upstairs and you know, in an advisory role or whatever. But, I mean, to go 35 and 47 over the last two years and then the nosedive to 7 and 36 right now, just awful. I'm sad for him, uh, but I can't knock the move because they're bad. They're very, very, very bad. Yeah, they're 14th in the East. I got another quick take for you, Stephen Angle. Yeah. The battle of the young big men did not disappoint last night. When the Spurs squared up with the Thunder, Wemby, excellent yet again. He put up 24 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 blocks. But it wasn't enough as Chet Holmgren, who I know you're really high on as well, uh, and OKC got the win with ease, 140 to 114, putting up 17. Stephen A., is this the next big rivalry in the NBA? It could be. It has the potential to be, not just because both of them have 
games that I think will elevate to be to big time status, um, future all stars and all of that stuff. But they don't like each other from everything that we've Yeah, you see them stare heard. him down. <laughs> yeah, 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 they don't like each other, and so they compete. And it's not like even though Wimbiana is seven five, it's not like uh, oh, Chet Holmgren is six feet. He like seven one. They ain't scared. They go at each other, and we could see that last night. But the rivalry I want everybody to look out for that I hope develops mm -hmm. is Anthony Edwards versus Shea Gilgis Alexander. That's okay. what I want everybody to watch out for. And I ain't mad about Devin Booker and Paul George either. Both of those two, those two combat, those two pairs, I like that even better than Holmgren and Wimpyana. Listen, SA options, good problem to have. Let's keep it rolling. So the Bucks beat the Cavs 126-116 in their first game post-Adrian Griffin era last night, which began with Giannis and the players doing a little dance. Giannis, dominant, putting up his third triple-double in his last four games. The two-time MVP scored 35 points, matched a season high with 18 rebounds, and had 10 assists. After the game, Giannis commented on the changes in Milwaukee. This is not about players' comments. This is not about things said or unsaid. This is, again, this is my job. This is the organization's job at the top to evaluate every single day all areas of the organization and feel like whether we're getting or not getting the most that we can out of that group. And we feel like we could maximize the talent of this group better if we made a change. That's why I made it. I was coached by him, and we did very, very, very well. Um, in, in, in a position like that, you have to understand that when somebody's being hired, um, at times the GA might come and ask, like, what do you think about that? Not just me, my players, people that he trusts the, the advice. But uh, at times they, they make it seem like it's the players are making the decision. All right, Stephen A., tell me this. Like, right after the coaches fired, the dancing, the comments, do you feel like it's a bad look by Giannis and the Bucks in poor taste. It was a very bad look, a very bad look. And I'm not accusing anybody of anything other than appearances. I think that Giannis is a superstar in this league, and if he wasn't enamored with the coach, he has every right not to be enamored with the coach. I think Damian Lillard is a superstar in this league. I'm not saying he felt that way, but if he wasn't enamored with the coach, he had every right to be not, not enamored with the coach. Um, at the NC, in, um, in season tournament in Las Vegas, obviously red flags were raised as we articulated on this show because uh, Giannis and his response to a question of mine about the team, and he went into it about the coach and how we just didn't seem we we seem off kilter, disorganized. He was using words like that, which is not something that's good for any coach to hear about themselves. So. I knew the handwriting was on the wall. You know me, Molly. I came on this show on three separate occasions and said that I didn't think that Adrian Griffin was going to last a year. And sure enough, he didn't last more than 43 games. Having said all of that, the bottom line is this. This man went through 14 interviews before he finally got a head coaching job on his 15th try over the years. Um, this man was fired. To, ver to have the very first game after his dismissal and y'all are acting like that. Clearly, um, you're either tone deaf, uh, which is bad in and of itself, or you really didn't care. You wanted the world to know how happy you are that he's gone. 
And I just think that when you look at it from that perspective, um, to be on camera doing that, knowing everybody's watching, knowing that everybody's talking about how he got let go and you got the new coach, Doc Rivers, coming in there shortly. Um, These guys are usually class personified. They conduct themselves in very high and pristine fashion. Uh, They're to be admired and revered. And then last night happened. And I think the best thing to say is that it was not their shining moment. No, absolutely. You know, Stephen A., uh, our guy J.J. Redick weighed in on this, the moves in Milwaukee. I want to play that sound for you and get your reaction. Sure. It's insane. It's insane. It's insane. Adrian Griffin, we went over the numbers. Third winning as coach ever in terms of win percentage to be fired midseason in NBA history. Other two teams, Lakers in 1980, Cavs in 16, go on to win a championship. Ultimately, that's why they're bringing Doc Rivers in. He did win a championship. This is a team that wants to win now. They want a proven coach. So in that sense, Doc Rivers to the Milwaukee Bucks makes a lot of sense. I don't know. I don't think Doc Rivers is the coach that would get this team to a championship. Maybe they add someone at the deadline. Maybe they add someone in buyout, which historically has not worked. Maybe they get there. I don't know. Mm, Strong opinion there. Uh, Stephen A., your thoughts? Well, I disagree with J.J. Redick. No surprise there. Um, What I would tell you is this. It's not not that I don't see where J.J. Redick is coming from. It's just that um, if you're going to tell a story, tell a story. Um, If you don't believe Doc Rivers, a coach you played for, is going to get them a championship, J.J. Redick is more than qualified to make that point. Got love and respect for him. You know that. But the flip side to it is that as unfortunate as it was for them to fire Adrian Griffin, the handwriting is on the wall when you have players talking about how they don't respect the coach, how we're disorganized and we're discombobulated. And you're using those kind of words like Giannis used weeks ago that made headlines everywhere because you're highlighting the level of ineptitude that they were not accustomed to when being coached under Mike Budenholzer all of these years. And so when you go and you're giving up 121 points per 100 possessions and you're ranking 28th or, 20, uh, you know, 27th or 28th in defensive of, of the efficiency in the month of January after finishing fourth overall in the NBA last year and you look like you can't stop a cold – you know what? Desperate times call for desperate measures. John Horst is a pretty damn good executive. I think he's proven that. And major props to him for just being able to keep Giannis in Milwaukee all of this time. But he's not making a move like this lightly. There's no way in hell that he's going to roll up in there 43 games in and make that kind of decision. And here's where I'll throw lean on my experience, Molly. Mm-hmm. I'm a beat writer for the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to throw anybody under, but I'm just, I have a job to do, and we talk in sports here. I just got to tell a story. During the Philadelphia 76ers, Randy Ayers is coaching the Philadelphia 76ers. They're in East Rutherford, New Jersey, in a game against the Nets. And it was his first year as the head coach. And Glenn Big Dog Robinson, no disrespect, big-time player, big-time offensive player, comes to Philadelphia and wasn't too fond of 
playing for Randy Ayers. And he walks off the sidelines after being taken out of the game. He walks off the court towards the sideline. He bumps his shoulder to Randy Ayers. Billy King, Billy King fired him the next day. And I mm. said, what happened, man? And he talked about you cannot have players openly feeling that way about a coach and keep the coach. It's not fair. It's not right. I know that. But no coach can coach his team if they don't have the respect of their players. That's what happened in Milwaukee. Not physically, but yeah. subliminally. That's what happened. But Stephen, and a, that's, that's why Adrian Griffin is gone. If there's no respect, I mean, right? But that, 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 yeah, yeah. But that's why Adrian Griffin is gone because the players clearly, and four games into this season, Molly, they had to pull him to the side and tell him, Brooke Lopez don't need to be out there switching and trapping at the three-point line. You need to get his big behind down in the low post and guard the rim. They're looking at it like, why do we have to tell you that? You can't see that Brooke but Lopez do don't need to be out there. do you think it was really a fair shake for him? Like, I understand, listen, they want to make a run. They, they've got I don't think it was fair. ready to go. But, yeah, I mean, that, that I don't was think really it was quick. fair, but, but here's the deal. It wasn't fair. But it was necessary because even though we may feel it's not fair after 43 yeah. games, as Wendy said yesterday, you can't find anybody in the NBA that's saying that's a bad decision, which is another indictment against Adrian Griffin, unfortunately. I don't say that with any pleasure. I truly don't. I was rooting for him, and I hope he gets another job. But when that kind of stuff is being said about you, you cannot stay. You yeah. cannot. And also in that situation where it's go time, I mean, they're ready to win a ring. Can't. It's, they don't want to be playing around. I get it. Can't Both do sides it. of it. Hey, I'm Molly Karam, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, I'm Molly Karam, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. Have you ridden an electric bike yet? Well, you need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to more exploring time outside on their bikes. So they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range for up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. 
All right, Sunday will be the fifth time, including playoffs, that Patrick Mahomes has faced the team that finished with the number one scoring defense in the league. Mahomes has fared quite well in his first four games, going 3-1 and one and averaging 339 yards per game. But that Ravens defense is up for the challenge. Listen up, y'all. This is the, the position we wanted to be in, and everything that we've wanted up to date is uh, all at our control. You know, we're a game away from being where we want to be, two games away from completing the mission, but... At the same time, we have to be focused on Wednesday practice, going out there, having a good practice, and following that up with a week of good practice. But, you know, going against a team like the Chiefs, who's been a juggernaut in the league for a while, it's, it's a privilege and uh, it's added pressure. But, you know, pressure either makes diamonds or pressure busts pipes. So we're hopefully going to make diamonds out of it. He's a great quarterback. We all know that. But so are we on defense. So let's see. I mean, are you not fired up? Can't wait. I, I love cannot it. Love it. Wait. Yeah. Cannot wait for these games. I'm telling you, that dude's different. Roquan? Yeah. Different human being. Yeah. He he What's his last what's his last name? Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith. Last name. God. Oh, you're so cringe. <laughs> I can't even I really want to get into this debate. Can we actually stay Mina, on Mina, that's my story. I'm sticking to it, Mina. Don't you know that? Oh that's gosh. my story. I'm sticking to it. That's all it is, Mina. Hey, right, guys, Stephen A., what are you? Mina and Dan here. Like Can we twins. actually break down football? All right, fine. I'll wait. Yeah. Come on. This is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> How likely is it that Baltimore could shut down Mahomes? Very likely. It, it, first of all, this, this defense I would say pass game-wise is the mm. best pass defense. Pass coverage-wise, I've seen probably since, I'm going to say like 2009, when Rex Ryan was with the New York Jets and they had Darrell Revis. And you just, you had no shot against them. And it was different because Rex was a, a man-centric coach. This is a zone-centric defense in Baltimore. But this, is, this zone defense pass coverage-wise in Baltimore skunks quarterbacks. They take all good quarterbacks and they just shut them down. The only guy that really has had success this year was Stafford. And if you watch that game, it wasn't because of bad coverage. He just made ridiculous throw after ridiculous throw. And I think it starts – they have a defensive tackle, Matabike, who is top five in the history of their organization in single-season sacks. That's the history of the Ravens. This isn't some slouch organization when it comes to defense. They have the best inside linebacker duo in football. It's the best inside linebacker duo since – Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis in San Francisco, they're that good. There is no flaw or weakness. Kyle Hamilton, number 14, who we saw on our screen talking, he, one of the best nickels in, in football right now. He, you know, just it, there's not, not a thing he can't do, cover, support. They're, it's remarkable. And then you take Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator, and his schemes and his simulated pressures that we've talked about, Mina, you know about that, a ton of NFL Live this year. I, just... It's going to take a historic performance from Patrick. It will. And is he capable of it? Yes. But it will take a vintage historic performance by Patrick. I'm going to appreciate the education that both of you provide me on this, to be quite honest with you, because when I think I don't give a damn how elite a defense is, and Baltimore is definitely elite. First team in NFL history, lead the league in scoring defense, takeaways and sacks in the same season. Give credit where credit is due. I get that. But when I hear zone, I don't give a damn how elite it is. The first thing I get, hear me out, Dan. I, again, I said I'm, 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 I'm going to be educated. I'm just telling you what I feel. When I hear zone and I think about an elite quarterback coming in to attack a zone, that worries me hmm. for, for any defense. 
And 99 times out of 100, that elite zone is going to cause you some problems. The way they mix stuff up, they can confuse you, etc. We've seen a guy in Patrick Mahomes that is unflappable. This dude, it don't matter. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? The only yeah. time we've ever, the hmm. only time we ever, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, Mina, with your analytical self and knowing stuff the way that you do. Correct me if I'm wrong. The most uncomfortable time we've ever seen Patrick Mahomes was him running for his life in the Super Bowl yeah. because you didn't have an offensive right. line to protect him. If you have an offensive line to protect him, to me, the best shot that you have is when you can man up and you can sit up there and say, hey, I know what you want to do. You know what I'm doing, and it's just going to come down to me against you. All right? That, it's just that simple. When you're trying to toward him schematically, confuse him, there's a sliver of a hole. This dude is the kind of person that exploits it. His career, four career starts against the Ravens, 72% completions, average of 370 yards passing. 12 touchdown passes, two interceptions, and a passer rating of 119. Those were with Harbaugh as the coach. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. I just don't yeah. know. So that is an excellent point to sort of bring together your question, Stephen A., because those Ravens defenses under Wink Martindale played a ton of man and blitzed, and Patrick Mahomes sliced them up. And to your point about zone, I love this. We're talking football. Uh the Ravens, there, there's different kinds of zone. There's the sort of soft, yep. passive zones that we see quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes absolutely annihilate. How many times have you seen Travis Kelsey just get open over and over and over in those voids? The Ravens play a very different style of zone. They are very confusing. They're very well coached. Uh, they're The way they marry, the, Dan talked about the simulated pressures with what they do in coverage. It's not just about confusing the quarterback and the protections. It's also about making the quarterback hold on to the football. And that's where I think this Ravens defense does have an advantage. These playoff games are about matchups. And with the Kansas City Chiefs, if you can shut down two players, Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice, yeah. you can beat them. The Ravens absolutely can shut down those players because they are so elite up the spine at linebacker safety. Kyle Hamilton's sort of a slot safety hybrid. I think they're uniquely built to beat this iteration of the Chiefs. It's not even about Patrick Mahomes. It's about the team yeah. around him. I just don't think they match up those well receivers. with Baltimore, Dan. Those receivers, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. and I think, I think this as well. Yeah. Joe Tooney is, is unlikely to play in this game, who's a ridiculously good guard for the Kansas City Chiefs, to your point, Stephen A., about the Super Bowl a couple years ago. So that matters when they're – I mean, Baltimore's defensive line is awesome. We know this. Kansas City struggled a, a, a couple areas this year. One is that pass protection at the tackles. Clowney and Kyle Van Noy have been absolutely fantastic for Baltimore yes. this year. I'm telling you, this defense is freaking ridiculously good. Can Patrick get it done? Yes. He is going to have to get Kelsey and Rasheed Rice to have unbelievable feel versus like this match zone defense. If they do that four quarters flawlessly and clean, they can win. But this this defense is good, man. It's listen, so good. I'm not listen. I appreciate I appreciate that. I appreciate the education from you both. From the Kansas City Chiefs, though, here's what I'm saying: They number one, we number two. Scoring defense, yeah, total no defense. We find a way to They're contain good. Lamar Jackson in the pocket, take away the runner, and yep. make him the thrower. 
we think we got a chance too. Now, this Lamar Jackson is different than the ones we've seen before, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it wasn't against this Kansas right. City team. We got to go. One word, Mina. Who are you taking right now, Ravens Chiefs? Ravens. Dan? Ravens. Ooh. Hey, hey, I'm Molly Karam, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with vivid seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code TAKE. That's code TAKE. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Thanks so much for listening to the pod. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Tonight, our Australian Open coverage rolls on down under with the first men's semifinal. Defending champ Novak Djokovic takes on fourth-seeded Sinner at 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 Pacific on ESPN. ESPN Cortez and ESPN Plus coverage of the women's double semis begins at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on ESPN Plus. SA, you had something else you wanted to say on Giannis? Yeah, real, real quick. Um, <clears throat> somebody reached out to me because they wanted to emphasize that one of the people who were not dancing with the Milwaukee Bucks was Damian Lillard. He wasn't a part of that because he thought it was indeed a bit disrespectful to Coach Adrian Griffin, and he wanted no parts of that. So somebody reached out to me because they wanted to make sure I emphasized that because they didn't want his name associated with such matters. So Got I it. wanted to let you know. All right, fair enough. Thank right. you for that information. Brock Purdy looking to bounce back after struggling last week in the NFC Divisional Round matchup versus the Packers. Purdy struggled with his accuracy early on while the rain came down. He managed to throw for 252 in a score. This week, he'll have to face a competitive Lions defense. Roar. Stephen A., is Brock Purdy's uh, San Francisco's biggest concern? Well, for me, it is. And I wanted to take this moment to, to, to get on my man, uh, Dan Orlovsky. Uh, because I saw him on Get Up this morning chastising the American public, you know, because they have the temerity <laughs> and unmitigated goal to question Brock Purdy, and he threw out all the numbers, and he watched film and all of this other stuff. Dan Olavsky, I'm going to tell you something I've told Molly before. I've told a lot of people before. My brother, if everybody was you, you wouldn't be special. You can't expect people to know what you know. Thank you. You're watching film all the damn time. Who the hell has time to do that? You sit up there as a profession, you're sitting up, you're literally dissecting. You play the game, you know the game, and you can dissect it with a fine-tooth comb. How many people 
get an opportunity to do that. If the American public is watching you, you know what they're seeing? They're seeing Brock Purdy struggle for the first three and a half quarters. They saw him close the deal with a drive, step up in moments. They knew there was inclement weather, but the ball was slipping out of his hand. But they also saw a three-game losing streak earlier this year. They saw what he looked like without Trent Williams and Debo Samuels. They've got question marks. At the very beginning of the Dallas game, or so before he ripped them apart and dropped 42 on them, he was sitting up there and throwing it into the line of scrimmage a couple of times, and they said he seems a bit undersized. If you give him a clean pocket, he's one person, but if you compromise him in any way with a level of duress, what is he going to do? These are the things that people deduce from watching the game. They can't watch it with the keen eye of a Dan Olavsky or Amina Kimes. You have to understand that. That's why you go on the air and you explain it. You sit there and rather than call them dumb or whatever it was, what you do is say to them, Dan, I know things that you don't. So allow me to educate you. Here we go. You thought this, but it was actually this. That's all you had to do. Because I got news for you. When I see this NFC Championship game, and I think about Jared Goff, and I think about the rest of that Detroit offense, and I imagine Hutchinson and the crew being able to get to Brock Purdy and press him a little bit, especially based on the slippage I've seen from the San Francisco 49ers, I think they got a shot. The Lions got a shot to win this damn game, regardless of how good Mm. Brock Purdy is. Mm. Because he might not be better than the opposition. You see how that works? I like that. Stephen A., before Mina goes, usually at, when I'm working at ESPN, my coworkers take shots at me, so I, th- I appreciate you saying something in a positive fashion. I will note it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Was that positive? I couldn't tell if that I was a compliment or insult. It was, was kind of a journey that we went on. We, I'm taking it as okay. a positive. Okay, all right. So. I'll take yeah. it. Okay, it was, it was a compliment. Um, I, but I disagree with Stephen A. Not about Dan knowing ball, but about Brock Purdy being the biggest concern in this game. If it was raining, I would say yes. If Trent Williams was hurt, I would say yes. Uh, but I think he'll play well against this Lions defense. The Niners have a ton of matchup advantages on that side of the ball. It's the other side of the ball that concerns me for San Francisco. It's watching Aaron Jones go off on perimeter, on crack toss. They're going to copy-paste what the Packers did in the run game, and the Lions are more than capable of doing that, by the way, with Jameer Gibbs, to this San Francisco defense that can't set an edge. Uh, That, if I was a Niners fan, would be my biggest concern. That, I believe, is the biggest reason why the Lions have a chance to pull off the upset. Yeah, I completely agree. I think bigger concern is both sides of the line of scrimmage. If I'm being, you know, football nerdy about this game, I think San Francisco's defensive line, when it comes to that pin-pull crack toss, we're going to see a lot of it. You're going to hear Greg Olson say that phrase a ton. And I think if I was Detroit defensively, Aaron Glenn, I would take everybody up in the line of scrimmage and I would get Aiden Hutchinson one-on-ones versus the right tackle of San Francisco and say, hey, we drafted you this early to go win this game. That's an advantage for Detroit. Yeah. Um, so I don't, you know, Brock didn't play well. I think the weather was a part of it. I do think this, if he struggles early, he got hesitant last week. Will he do that again? And I'd say the last thing is pay attention to Brian Branch in this game, who's the nickel for Detroit. Like, I think he's become a fantastic player. He's got to play big. But I think both sides of the line of scrimmage are more concerning than the quarterback. So who are you taking? Who are you taking to win it? I'm taking Detroit. I I picked the Rams to go to the Super Bowl when the playoffs started. I thought they would go and win the game in Detroit. They obviously lose by one. I think because of the way that they can run the ball on the perimeter, I think Detroit wins the game. Mina? Mina, Mina, Mina. I got the Niners because I I do think Brock Purdy has a good game. Mm. By the way, Molly, as an aside, uh, just to shut shut some folks up, remember that stuff I brought up about Damian Lillard? I told you somebody called in or somebody texted me and said he wasn't wasn't there. You know, he walked away or whatever. Well, I rolled back the tape. 
He was there, despite what they said. Just so y'all know, when y'all reach out, you're trying to tell we me roll to the videotape. That what you're trying we to roll to the videotape. That's right. Look at this guy. What did you call yourself? A grave digger one time as a journalist? <laughs> what did you call yourself? It was hilarious. Stephen, I, we a get a, just a little bit of a teaser today. Yes. About What's three o'clock. Just, just a give little. Me, like, give us a little one, one line Br that Brick's going to Br say. Br Brick's in the house. Somebody is betraying my boss, the kingpin, the mobster. And I ultimately find out that person betrayed. <laughs> to the rescue. He's a detective. No. Ooh. Bricks in the house. General Hopkins <laughs> today and thing. tomorrow. I don't know about the, uh, you know, the <laughs> Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two. Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.